This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. Hi, everyone. It's Alice Cash. Welcome back to Weekly Woman. Thank you so much for joining us this week. On This Week in Quarantine, I want to talk about seeing that friend that you haven't seen in seven months. That happened to be yesterday. And it was like the clouds had parted. I got to see my friend again. Like we were just like, you're here in real life. Of course, we're still socially distant and like socially distancing. But like when you live in Manhattan versus Brooklyn, it's hard to see those people that you aren't seeing because of public transportation or you're only biking everywhere. So have you been seeing friends that you haven't seen in a while? Let me know. Another thing that happened this week is I ran a 5K. That was definitely socially distant in Central Park, but it was so nice to be around other people. I feel like I've just been in my house or exercising in my house, but to be outside, to take in the world. And as fall approaches and as we're getting more into the fall and the colder season, you want to be aware of being able to keep socially distant hangs alive and outside. And so I have some ideas this week. Um, There are wool blankets that you can buy to keep yourselves warm and still sitting outside in those colder months. Maybe you think about getting a heater. I know they're pretty sold out online, but that might be something to look into. Um, And being able to plan short get-togethers or like quick walks around the park or some kind of exercise where you're still like pumping your heart so you're still warm. Um, or getting together for some hot cocoa in the park, just so you're still outside and you're still meeting people, because that's so important right now. On the podcast this week, I'd like to introduce Lauren Lograsso, who actually has a podcast of her own. She is a podcast host and producer, singer-songwriter, public speaker, media podcasting consultant, and SAG actress. Lauren received her BFA in acting and BA in communications from Michigan State University, and she traveled to LA to complete her last three credits with an internship on The Ellen Show and decided to stay and pursue acting. Within weeks of her pursuit, she got her first acting role and joined SAG, but soon after, with the constant rejection and less than fulfilling co-stars, acting started breaking her heart. As is so often the case, that pain turned into purpose when Lauren picked up a guitar and wrote her first song. Within nine months of writing that song, she played The House of Blues, Sunset, The Viper Room, and Hard Rock Cafe. While continuing to pursue music, she also started to follow her love of talk radio and got a position as a host on After Buzz TV, which led to becoming the EP of Maria Menounos' Sirius XM show, Conversations with Maria Menounos, and a host and producer on The Tomorrow Show. She now works as the executive producer of female content for a podcasting company called Cadence 13, where she works on hit shows like Brigade Brown's, Lauren Conrad's, Girl Boss Radio, The Goop Podcast, Meaningful Conversations with Maria Schreiber, and From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. In addition, she independently (laughs) produces and hosts her own podcast, Unleash Your Inner Creative. On the music front, you may have heard some of her songs, and she also is working on a new debut EP, Road to Glory. A true renaissance woman. We're so excited to welcome her on to Weekly Woman today. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I know it's such a mouthful. I, I was like, oh my God, we got to get them to buckle up for this one. 
Yeah, so we, we have a lot to discuss. We have so much to talk about. Um, you've had all of these different roles. How did you come to the life of the artist? Uh, I was born this way, I think. You know, it's funny because I was just telling you before you went on, I came home during the pandemic back to Michigan. I usually live in LA, so I'm my apartment there, but came back to be with my parents. And we've been watching a lot of home movies. And it's just amazing to look back at yourself as a child and to see that you've always been who you are in some way. You know, if you had a, if you had a wonderful childhood, like I was blessed and privileged to have, like you've kind of always been that little self. And so it's like, I was singing when I was one, less than one and a half. I was singing full songs. Um, I, you know, there's this really funny video we watched last week. And I think this describes me. There was a sprinkler going and we were outside. My mom was videotaping and a sprinkler was going. And it was like, the the spray the spray of the sprinkler was the sprinkler equivalent of like a fire hose. It was a really strong stream. I was one, less than one and a half, and I kept throwing myself into the sprinkler stream, fully clothed. Just kept throwing myself into it. So I think I've always been the kind of person that, even if something is difficult, I go in full force and with full passion, and just see what I can bring to the table. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much for that. And you like went to LA right after college. Can you talk about that experience? Was there like a huge culture shock moving to this big city? Yeah, definitely. So I finished my last class at Michigan State in August 2011. I found out I got the internship at Ellen 10 days later or maybe, no, it was like a week after that. And then 10 days later I moved. So it was a very quick turnaround. If I had thought about it at all, I wouldn't have done it. Uh, I do recommend to people, especially people who tend to be overthinkers, sometimes to just throw themselves into something because they will figure it out. But if you think about it too much, you might not do it. So I moved there. I was kind of like jamming and like for the first month and a half, I just like kind of pretended like I was on vacation. And then it hit me. I was driving home from an improv class. There's a, there's a street called Cahuenga in, uh, in, in California. Like I turned from Cahuenga onto Barham back into Burbank from Hollywood, which by the way, if anybody's thinking of moving to Los Angeles, don't move to Hollywood. It's where souls go to die. <laughs> but I was driving back into Burbank and I just started hysterically crying. And I go, what did I do? Why did I move to this weird, crazy place? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm homesick. I'm scared. The freeways are so big here. It makes no sense. And uh, so, yeah, I had that little breakdown moment. <laughs> it's okay. Everybody, okay. you're going to have one of those. Just roll with it. It's normal. And, and you figure it out as you go along. But yeah, it was certainly culture shock. It was hard for me because I came from a place, uh, the Midwest from Michigan, where for the most part, people do what they say they're going to do. And the most confusing and difficult thing for me to understand about the culture of California and Hollywood in general is that people say a lot of nice things, but it more often than not leads nowhere. <laughs> and so when you find the people that are of integrity and do what they say they're going to do, those are your people. Those are the people you stick with. And so luckily after eight, almost nine now years of being there, I really have found a great core group of people who are like me and like, like hearted and with a similar work ethic, but that was definitely hard to get used to when I first got there. Wow. Yeah. That would be such a different shift just to move to a big city like that. And 
the huge freeways. <laughs> they're so big. I mean, they're like the freeways here, the one that I continually drove up to Michigan State from Detroit was two lanes two lanes oh my god imagine merging on to like the 101 or the 405 and by the way the la this just goes to show la and california in general it's not like you call it the five or like five like here you call it 696 the freeways 696 or 94 there they put a the in front of the freeways the because even the inanimate objects are important there <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was a lot to go from two lanes to like five to seven lanes Wow. Yeah. Um, and so you went from The Ellen Show and then you started to pursue this life of wanting to be an actress. Can you talk about that and talk about getting into SAG? Sure. So I, you know, got my BFA in acting. So when I graduated, I really thought that's what I was going to do. Um, and so I, the last week I was at the Ellen show, I had done a casting director workshop, which those things don't really exist anymore. But back in the day, that was a way for unrepresented actors to get to know casting directors and hopefully be brought in for an audition. I did one with this casting director named Craig Campobasso. He fell in love with me. He ended up hiring me for my first ever professional film job. And I was one of the main characters in the shoot. I had, you know, my own little dressing room. They did my hair and makeup. I had a, a chair to sit in. I felt very special. I was certain that I was just going to go to the top right after yes. this. This was in December, 2011, went home for Christmas, came back. It was like Cricketsville. Um, my first agent that I had in LA she um, canceled a meeting with me because this was the quote, the goats on my farm broke the water main. I thought I was getting punked. What? And she ended up signing me and then she left town without telling me and like got out of the business. I found out from this guy I was in acting class with. So it was a rough road with acting, but it was through that first gig and a couple subsequent gigs that I was able to join SAG. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it was amazing because really, like, I was fighting for every inch. I was going to all these sad musical theater auditions, a bunch of random student film auditions. There were some auditions that I got from Backstage.com, which is a way to get acting auditions that I wasn't sure if I was on a reality show or if I was getting, like, going to be murdered. It was a very strange situation. So this is really what led to the heartbreak that caused me to write my first song. And what did you do when you decided to turn to music? You said you were like auditioning for musicals. So that had always been a part of your life. Um, yeah. Can you talk about moving into the singer songwriter phase of life? Sure. So I, I think that like picking up guitar really changed everything for me because I'd been singing, like I said, since I was basically a baby. I did my first musical when I was three or four. But since I'd never had that piece where it was playing an instrument, I never considered that I could write music. Actually, weirdly, and I do recommend this to any creative person. If you do have the footage from when you were younger, look at it because a lot of times like the little self knew things, like I said before, but there was this one video we watched about a week ago. I was two, I was jumping on the bed singing and I, I wrote a song and, but nobody in my family would have known to call that out because there were no musicians, there were no songwriters. So it wasn't gonna be like, oh, look, Lauren's a songwriter. They just thought I was being a weird kid. So I kind of had been doing it my whole life, but since I didn't play an instrument and since I didn't know anyone who was a songwriter, I never put two and two together. And so, I mean, there's a very funny story I can tell you. I don't want the whole thing to be like comedy moment, but I it is pretty it. funny. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you this story and it's wild 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 but i really do think this opened the portal for me mm -hmm. um 
so long story short, I was a very good girl. I never tried drugs. Um, I never did smoked pot. The last, uh, one of the last days of my senior year of college, I, because, and they will tie together, I promise. One of the last days of my senior year of college, I was um, supposed to sing at this award convocation. I was so excited about it. Um, I, I had tweeted about it at the time. I, um, I had told all my friends, I was really excited. It was supposed to happen at 5 p.m. So I was running errands around campus. I decided to check my phone. It ended up saying that it we need to be there at 245, which was weird because it wasn't until five. Why would you need to have a call time that early for a college event? This was the last thing I was supposed to do in college, by the way, was sing at this event. Um, I start panicking because I'm like, this doesn't add up. I'm calling all my friends who are supposed to be there. I'm calling my teacher. I'm calling the piano player. Finally, the piano player calls me back and he goes, you missed it. I was hysterical because this was the way I was going to be remembered forever in college. And so I, I was inconsolable. I was calling my teacher and apologizing and saying, I'm so sorry, this isn't who I am. Long story short, I ended up getting together with my friend, Michael, who happened to be a, a pretty raging pothead. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just give this a whirl. <laughs> uh, I did way too much of it because it was a first time. Was, I'd done it one other time before that, but that was like the first time I'd actually like gone in, get in it to win it really. <laughs> and I took five hits on a water bong. I hit the floor and like started really panicking and, and I made him walk all around campus with me. But long story short, when I was in that whacked out state, I sang every thought I had for two hours. And I kept saying, this is the real me. This is the real me. Now at the time my friends wanted me dead because I was just being so annoying, singing every thought I had. But when I started writing music, I looked back on that and realized my subconscious, my high self was trying to tell me that I was a songwriter. And it was really after that, that finally guitar started making sense. I tried to play it like five times. It never worked. So Finally, I started playing chords. The first song I ever played was Eleanor Rigby. And it was when I played that song, because that's only two chords. It's E minor to C over and over again. And it's by the Beatles, obviously, who are heavily considered one of the best bands of all time. And I thought if they could write a song with two chords, maybe I could write a song. And so flash forward a year when I'm having this heartbreak with acting and I'm you know, in my guitar learning process, I start falling asleep in that state between being awake and asleep writing songs and I'll, I would sing them wow. into my voice memos. And then finally I started putting those songs that I was kind of creating when I was in between awake and asleep into uh, the chords that I would, I was learning on guitar and that's how it started. So that's a very long story, but I do believe all those pieces are kind of, you know, part of the path. And I think sometimes we do have these talents from the time we're young, but we just don't recognize them until we're ready. That's interesting that you're able to like think back on these moments or whether they're these video moments or just <laughs> memories and figure out who you are as an artist sort of now and what kind of put that puzzle together. So we've got to stop and talk about our sponsor, Jubilance for PMS. It's a daily supplement that helps you be you. Jubilance is an over-the-counter nutritional supplement shown in clinical trials to relieve the emotional symptoms of PMS. That means less stress, anxiety, and more of getting back to your life. You deserve to be your best self all month long. And thanks to modern science, PMS is now optional. It's the first and only product for emotional PMS backed by real science with double-blind, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed studies. And it works. I work for Jubilance because I'm here to help women, and this is the real deal. 
Jubilance isn't just a product, it's a global mission to make PMS mood swings a thing of the past. The Jubilance Sisterhood is a movement of thousands of strong women escaping the PMS struggle with science, sharing, and communal support. We're here for you each week with stories of amazing women, your weekly playlist on Spotify, and for you to dish and cry about periods on our Facebook group. So why not give Jubilance a try? Go to www.jubilance.com to learn more. Can you talk about Road to Glory and um, when is that coming out? How can we stream it? And what was it like creating that? So Road to Glory is actually out now. I have Road to Glory, Rye. Oh, you're talking about EP. Okay. So my single Road to Glory is out now. I have my other single, Rise, and then uh, Like a Bomb is also out. Uh, Next month, yes, in August, I have to think about what month it was. (laughs) In August, I'm going to be putting out my next single. It's called Freak Show. And then I'm going to put one more out, probably September, October. And then at the end of the year, originally I was going to put the full EP out in the summer, but just a tip for anyone who's an independent musician or just a creative in general, if you can parse things out and not just do like one big bang, like do little things, it gives you more opportunities to market and get your name out there. So at first I was going to do two singles and then put out the full EP, but especially now with COVID when it's harder to record, I'm going to do it as singles and then put out an EP with a couple bonus songs on it toward the end of the year. How were you able to record this um, with it being COVID? Were you recording in a studio in LA beforehand or did you put this together at home with all your podcasting equipment? So it was actually done last year. And so we've just been doing it piece by piece. And me and my producer have been going back and forth, like getting the final mixes together and mastering it, which basically just makes it super pristine and ready to play on the radio. Um, And so, yeah, we've been doing it all virtually, but I haven't had to record anything. Um, That's the next step. I'm trying to get a nice microphone now where I can start doing some in-home, in-studio recordings. Oh, awesome. Well, I see your microphone right here. Can you talk to us a little bit about your own podcast that you've started? (laughs) Yes, of course. It's called Unleash Your Inner Creative. And the goal of the podcast is to help people make creativity the filter for their life, redefine their relationship with fear, take it out of the driver's seat so it's not making decisions for them, and step more fully into the essence of who they are. And You know, a lot of it is you brought up a great point that I like to trace the lines of kind of your creative life to figure out where these things came from and how you can best serve who you truly are. And so every week we talk to different guests that help us get to the bottom of the creative process and figure out how to be more ourselves and not let fear rule our lives. That's really great for right now. What would you give someone who like needed a helpful tip just right now during COVID? What's the, what's the best thing you've learned from your podcast about helping with fear and stress during this COVID environment? I think number one, don't deny how you feel. I think the, the times I've been most depressed in this time period have been when I've been trying to run away And I really do believe that the only way out is through. So if you're in the thick of things, journal, talk to a friend, cry. I mean, I, I get a lot out of crying for me. It's like, that's how I release 
my pain and like the trapped expression. I know sometimes it's hard because it's like, you know, you're going to have to go on a journey with that. But it, when you get through it, it's kind of like how the air looks beautiful after it's rained and it smells fresher and the sky's clearer. That's how it is for our bodies too when we let ourselves have that full body expression by crying. So let yourself feel. Um, and then when, when you're, don't beat yourself up too for being creatively blocked because it's a very easy time to be blocked. Um, something that I've learned about being able to express yourself creatively and the way that I started writing again, because for about the first month and a half of the pandemic, I didn't write at all because I was so overwhelmed by everything that was happening and so stressed. I think that my brain just couldn't go there. And I started doing this thing on my podcast where every week I would give the audience a creative challenge. And that was just a word and they could make anything based off of that word. They could do a drawing, they could cook a meal, they could write a song, um, they could play a game with their kids. Wow. Whatever that word inspired, create something from that word. And for me, having that container gave me the boundaries I needed to start to feel like, okay, I can get the hang of this again. It's not this weird, broad, like I can pick any topic in the world. I have something to steady me. And that's what really got the ball rolling. So I would say that, and, um, and just honor where you're at, wherever it is. Thank you so much, Lauren. And what, what has been your favorite project that you've worked on based on one of these words from your podcast? I wrote this really cool song. Um, I, I don't know what it's called yet, actually, but <laughs> it, it was the word I gave was bird. And the lyrics are, um, I was kind of inspired. Have you read Glennon Doyle's Untamed? It's a yes, book. I have. Okay, yeah, okay cool. So I was, I was inspired by her book. And um, the lyrics are, I've been acting like a bird who cut her own wings, tied herself to the ground and said she doesn't sing trying hard to forget my own nature. And it goes into this whole thing about, you know, in a lot of ways, how I've held, I've actually held myself back. And how could I get more in touch with that little girl? How could I get more in touch with who I really am, with the fullness, the largeness of who I really am? And it's, um, the, the chorus is, I could fly, reclaim my space inside the sky. You know, it's about getting back to yeah. that broad, big soul that you are. And so I would definitely say that's my favorite. I'm still working on that yeah. as a human, but uh, I love that that song encouraged me to do it. Oh, I think that's just lovely. I love this idea that you're talking about of finding, that, finding your way back to that girl, that young person, that person uninhibited by everything that's put on us as women um, and like everything that society tells us really. And something that we always ask on this podcast is what is your definition of womanhood? Um, it's probably something that can like shift in the next minute right after you say it. But what is it? Wow. I love that question. The first thing that came to me was strength. Um, we throughout the years as women have had to hold so much inside. So I think it's at this point, if we're like looking at the true meaning of it, it's strength it's caring, it's expression, it's expansion, it's resourcefulness, it's creativity, it's warmth, it's kindness, it's love. I'm so proud to be a woman and I'm grateful to share in this experience with other women of all walks of life and um, for the, the sisterhood that we all have. Thank you so much, Lauren. Is there anything else that you'd like to add to our listeners today? 
just the way I end every podcast is I believe in you. And I think that that is oftentimes the difference between us going toward our dreams and us not. And I just want to say, whoever is listening, I believe in you. You are so worthy. And I hope that today you take this interview and this lovely talk that we've had as a sign that you needed to claim your right to have a dream and to take up space because you deserve it. Thank you so much, Lauren, for being on. Thank you for having me. Great to meet you. Great to meet you. Thank you.